0: Hi, my name is Donna Leterese, and this is who I am.
1: Hi, Donna. Hello. Thank you for coming down to the garage.
0: Thank you for having me and for pronouncing garage with the British pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that and missed that since I did go to school in England for... Six months, once upon a time.
1: Yeah, when was that?
0: Um, when I was in undergrad, I went to Goldsmiths College for a half a year from mm. January to June of 2005.
1: Southeast London.
0: Southeast London. It was awesome. That. It was a new cross. Yes. New Cross Gate was my tube stop. Mm-hmm. I know it well. I used yeah. to
1: sneak into the, uh, the bar there. You used to go young. to
0: Brixton a lot, right?
1: Uh, Brixton was close. Yeah, that's um, southwest London, so mm-hmm. that's kind
0: of like the other side. But yeah. yeah, no, London was great. London was really cool. I um kind of re-got into comics when I was there actually, because I was really into them as a kid. And then I got more into like illustration via painting. And then I got way back into drawing and then illustration and comics with like pen and ink when I was in London. Mm-hmm. They had an original show of Robert Crumb's work. And oh, wow. I became like super obsessed with it. And for my final project for the art class because I was taking a few different things over there, but I went to Goldsmiths uh, for my study abroad program because they had a really good art program. Mm -hmm. And um, my tutor there, he was not really into people doing painting because I think he just had a lot of opinions on the art world, and he kind of kept pushing me towards drawing, and I didn't listen for a while. And then after I saw the Robert Crumb show, I was like, okay, I could make a comic. And then I made an eight-page comic, and then I've gotten just totally down the comics and illustration rabbit hole since. (laughs) So um yay London and comics and <laughs> it pushing you to do storytelling things
1: was that the first time you seen Robert Crumb's work or were you it was interested? actually yeah. yeah I
0: was 20 and um yeah I thought it was really cool it was a lot of originals of Fritz the cat actually I remember mm. and it did have some of his more racy stuff too but I just remembered like there were so many details and there were so many characters and it was like original pencils and some original ink work and I just loved like the storytelling of it and then all these little characters. And there was so many like hidden little things happening apart from the main narrative of the comic. I just loved all that detail Mm -hmm. and I was just super, super into it. That's the thing I've kind of always loved is lots of detail and sometimes hidden imagery, sometimes looking past what the main thing is and then seeing like, Oh, there's all these other things you can notice too. Mm. So, so yeah, so it was the first time I saw Robert Crumb's work and I do, I do really like really detailed work and kind of heavy pen and ink stuff, whether it's cross-hatching or lots of line work, kind of like those new modern coloring books where there's all the animals and imagery and different things and lots of images of the images and stuff like that. So yeah, it was the first time I saw Albert Crumb's work and it was super inspirational. It was really, really cool. Hmm. When I was little and I loved comics, I, I liked the superhero stuff a little bit, but more of what I read when I was a young girl was the Archie Digest stuff and Betty and Veronica and Richie Rich and those ones. And then... Right. I guess whenever they would make a Disney comic into a Disney movie, rather into a comic version. So I actually read the Lion King comic before I saw the movie. So I knew everything was going to happen And the opening <laughs> sequence of the circle of life. It was beautiful animation. I was sitting there and it was breathtaking and I was trying not to cry because I was like, I know it's all going to be over so soon. <laughs>
1: so, yeah. Uh, where did you grow up?
0: Uh, I am from Larchmont, New York, which is a small town outside of New York City. It's basically just north of the Bronx in Westchester County. Um, For people in the L.A. area, it's kind of like if Orange County was the commuting suburb and it was north instead of south of the big city, that's kind of what Westchester is like.
1: Mm. Mm. And what did your parents do?
0: Um, My mom was a teacher, K through 12, and um, my dad was a history professor.
1: Mm. You still go back to New York quite a lot, don't you?
0: I do, yeah. Um, my uh, my mom and dad live out there, and I visit about every two months. I, um, I'm able to work it out with what I do job-wise, luckily, and um, at least in this point until they knock and would move and are not in New York anymore. Um, travel-wise, it's just much easier for me to go see them, so I go see them instead of them coming out here.
1: Mm-hmm um you so you said that you were reading the archie digest and uh, marvel mm-hmm. comics and stuff like that what else were you doing were you were you always drawing or, and yeah shows? i've always
0: drawn cartoons and also some more stuff like still life some more traditional stuff because i always took art throughout childhood but yeah i was i was always drawing and um my mom was a my mom was a teacher and I think if she she became a, a teacher because there was a um there was a program where you could go to college for free back with the The city of New York system, and you would if you could get your teaching credentials, it would basically like your entire university experience would be paid for. Mm. And so my mom did that, and then she also got a master's degree in history. But she worked in teaching because she that's what she'd always kind of trained towards doing, and it was this great opportunity with the scholarship and everything. But my mom also really liked to draw, and she had fun drawing. And then once she had a child, there's certain rooms in my house where my mom drew different things. Either she like drew on the wall for me or she made these decorated pieces of like foam core and then like would kind of plaster the walls with all these like different cartoon animals. So my mom really liked drawing, even though she didn't formally study it that much. She took a couple of classes, but I feel like if she'd had the chance to take anything she wanted apart from like, what was like the most practical thing for her to take university wise, I feel like she probably would have wanted to do something in drawing. And um, my dad loved history and being a professor, but he also did a lot of writing and creative writing. So Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I'm into storytelling and illustration and comics because my mom was the one who liked drawing and my dad's the person who liked writing. And that's kind of the two things that I like. And Mm. yeah, I was really fortunate growing up because my mom and dad were always very encouraging and I, I took a lot of different artistic outside of school classes when I was a kid. So I definitely took drawing and painting and cartooning and all that stuff. And I also take dance and theater and things like that. But um, I would also draw a lot just on my own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was fan art based on other things. Sometimes it was just making up like my weird version of things or just stories with dinosaurs and people and stuff like that. So Mm. kind of everything, lots of stuff with animals and people, which I guess I still pretty much do.
1: (laughs) So... Uh, were you doing pro stuff as well? Or?
0: Yes. Um, yeah. I, I've i written, I mean, I've always, I'm a little behind on it now, but I've always done storytelling and writing stories too, even ones that didn't necessarily have pictures. And um, I also was, when I was in college, I was really into playwriting. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the reasons I also really liked comics, because there was a point where I was really focused on playwriting And then I was also focused on visual art and they kind of were separate. But then once I got into comics, I'm like, oh, this also, this kind of combines everything together. Um, I went to a liberal arts college for undergrad. So my degree technically says liberal arts, but in terms of what I studied, it was kind of like the equivalent of a double major and a minor. My double major would have been in playwriting and psychology and then minor in art. And so kind of combining all those things together works for comics and illustration since... If you understand psychology, you can understand how to craft a story and where characters are coming from and how they think and all that stuff. And then playwriting, obviously, is very, very similar to comics writing because it is pretty focused on dialogue. And then, you know, instead of writing out the stage directions on a comic, you draw them. And then illustration and storytelling and art, obviously, that's the visual portion of it. Mm -hmm. So,
1: Where else did you go to college after uh,
0: Well, um, so I went to Sarah Lawrence, which is in, uh, another part of Westchester County in New York where I'm from. It was really close to where I grew up, but I dormed there and I was just always kind of, I don't know, it felt like it was in like another world, even though it wasn't very far from where I grew up. And then I did a study abroad program at Goldsmiths for six months. And then, uh, since graduating, I have always kind of tried to make sure to take classes to keep up with what I've been working on. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've taken classes through Art Center, also through LACC, through the Animation Academy in Burbank, and also through Otis College. The past year or so, I've gotten really into botanical illustration also, which is like the realistic rendering of plants, and it's a little bit more scientific illustration. And um, I have the past year just also been working on my portfolio with comic stuff and also illustration stuff, and I actually just got into grad school for illustration. So I will be adding that to my roster of classes taken yay i'm going to uh, <laughs> cal state fullerton in the fall mm-hmm. so i'm excited about that they have an mfa program in illustration everywhere there. so everyone over there seems awesome so i'm very very excited yeah
1: um with the with comic stuff so you, after you saw the robert crumb exhibit and, and and spent time in london you uh, how quickly were you did, did you realize that that's what you wanted to do one well, more
0: well, I really liked his storytelling. I liked all the detail and I I did like Fritz the cat, the animal characters and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so when I first saw that exhibition, I was I sort of thought to myself, "Hey, I could make my own my own short 8-page comic." And that was the initial comic I came up with the idea for, and I actually really love to tell bad jokes. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I um I came up with an idea for a comic based on my my favorite terrible bad joke. And it was basically like the two main characters are from this joke. And then I turned the joke into my own thing. And then the structure of the entire comic basically was the this Shaggy Dog story from beginning to end. And the last panel was the the final terrible punchline. But then once I created these characters, I really liked them. And so then I made a second, a second little mini comic based on the characters. And I have a lot of ideas that I want to keep working with these characters that I've been working with on and off for the past 10 or so years. I've just gotten very busy and had other comic things come up and then also different things with art and life and work. And I also teach comics for kids, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I got the idea that I wanted to do at least my own eight page comic is like a, a final project for my my time in Goldsmiths. And then I just really liked those characters and I wanted to keep working on, on comics. Even once I was done with school in London, it was just a thing I kind of carried back with me and have kept in my
1: life since. Mm -hmm. Um, You you mentioned that you've been uh, uh, teaching comics for kids. Yes. Um, How did that come about?
0: Um, Well, I've always done work with kids pretty much the entire time I've been going to school and then after school um, since I studied psychology I also worked with kids. I did work study working in a library tutoring kids when I was in college. I also worked teaching kids theater in different places and teaching kids art and then when I first moved to L.A., I worked as a tutor at an after-school program. And then I stopped doing that job because I actually worked for a couple of years as a comic book editor. Mm-hmm. And that was that was cool. That was an experience. And um, <laughs> I did that for two years. And then once I was done with that, I had experience in the industry and then editing stuff. It wasn't stuff I had written, but it was stuff that I helped edit the text for, which was pretty helpful. And it was it was a really good insight into like that side of comics world. And then um, there was an art center. called Barnstall and I was taking classes there and I was talking to some of the people who worked there about my experience and they had said hey you know we don't have a comics for kids class anymore we used to have that would you be interested in applying and then starting up that program again so I did back in 2010 and I've been working there since and I basically just started growing the places that that I worked so I, um, I teach there I also have taught at a center in West Adams, which is a really cool center. I've been working at a charter school teaching in the after-school division since 2014. And I worked at Meltdown Comics for a long time. They had a kids program and they're a really cool place. And Mm. I hope they one day find a new spot, but as of now, they don't have physical space. And, um, I also do different gigs with LA County libraries where I'll go and I'll do a workshop for an hour or two. So yeah, I basically, I've always worked and in different capacities with teaching kids and then it just kind of happened naturally well cartooning is the thing that I do and this is the thing that I know and this is what I want to teach my students and I teach mostly comic book and illustration style art classes I have done some regular traditional drawing and painting teaching but I mostly teach how to make and draw your own comics how to tell stories through illustration and then teach the different things like this is how you use pencil pencil penciling inking how those go together in comics this is color theory this is plot this is how you do cause and effect this is how to do character design how to use shapes to build a character and then also kind of adjacent to comics I have taught zine making which is how to make your own books and my, my class I actually called it zine making in card tuning because it's how to self-publish your own things whether it's cards or you know, punny little stories or actual comic books. And, um, I also teach currently something that I call uh, 3d character design and concept art, which is mostly students learning how to sculpt their own characters out of Sculpey. And then it's kind of like claymation, except they don't actually make the characters move, but they learn how to do drawings and designs from the 3d stuff they make. And then at the end we photograph the characters and make it like a posed 3d still claymation comic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that stuff I do specifically over at Barnstall. Mm. I still
1: teach. So, hmm. well, um, wh- when did you come out to LA? When, what 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 made I you come out? I moved
0: in 2006. I graduated from undergrad in May 2006, and I moved here in October. Hmm. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was I saying that, that brought you here? Were you? Was that the the uh, editing work or?
0: No, um, I I had friends in LA, and I had visited back and forth, and I really really liked LA, and. Mm-hmm. Actually, when i have been in school in London, I thought, like, maybe I can become an expat. But just for family reasons, it was best for me to stay in the country. And I, was, I visited L.A. a lot the last year that I was in college. And I really, really liked it. Actually, my last year of college, I used to intern at this museum called the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art in New York City. Mm-hmm. And they unfortunately don't exist as their own separate space anymore. They had their work kind of eaten up by the Society of Illustrators in New York, so you can still see some of the stuff that they did, but when they were a freestanding museum, I was an intern there my last year of college and I helped on this project called She Draws Comics, which was a retrospective of the past hundred years of women working in comics and cartoons. And Trina Robbins was very involved with it. I got to meet her. She was really cool. I met a lot of people who were great cartoonists who were in that show and I helped with the curatorial hanging plan for the show. I did research and write little bios on the different cartoonists and One of the times I visited LA before I graduated, I actually got to see Trina Robbins and Jessica Abel do a panel and talk at the Hammer Museum because concurrently with the She Draws Comics exhibition that was going to be put up in New York City, the Hammer Museum did a retrospective of the most important American comics. I don't remember what the exact name was, but I would know it was a little bit controversial because pretty much everybody, I think actually everyone they picked was a guy. They didn't have any women cartoonists in there. Mm. And so that's why the Hammer Museum brought in Jessica Gable and Trina Robbins to talk about that and to talk about influential people like Brenda Starr who were cartoonists. And I really, really liked LA when I visited. And I thought this whole giant exhibition of comics was kind of amazing to see Dick Tracy and these other comics, just like the originals and like people walking around both the – moco location downtown of the modern art museum and then also the hammer out in UCLA and to see all these things. And, um, I feel like, I think everyone's kind of caught on now, but LA is a great city for comics, but also for fine art. And when I was visiting Hmm. back and forth, New York is amazing too, but I was like, wow, LA has all these cool things and people don't know about it. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I knew that I wanted to move here, and I moved here in October 2006, and I'm lucky that I get to be more or less bi-coastal since I have to go back and see my family so much, so I still get to experience snow and <laughs> other things, which are more cool than snow. Weather,
1: just general weather rather than yeah, just... Yeah,
0: although weather is getting so messed up all over the world, yeah. that it's just kind of like no matter where you go, there's like some bizarre craziness going on, mm-hmm. but... um. <laughs> But yeah, so I moved here in 2006, and um, I lived kind of all over the gamut in LA. My first apartment was in Hollywood. My next two were in East Hollywood. I lived in Boyle Heights for a while, and now I live in Pasadena.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you you mentioned about how there there's a very vibrant um, comic community here, and yeah,
0: I think comics and also art in general, just because there's so many galleries here, and then there's also the kind of like the pop surrealism scene, people Mm -hmm. who do paintings which might have some cartoon or like even hyper realistic influences and a lot of that stuff is very very popular in LA especially and I kind of saw that when I was visiting back and forth and really really liked that
1: Mm -hmm. did that speak to you that is that the kind of art style that you like
0: there's a lot of art styles that I like but yeah I mean I, I basically like anything that's storytelling which is why I like comics and then I like illustrations since it's Usually, I mean, something like botanical illustration, which I do love, that's kind of more standard. You're, like, capturing a specific thing Mm -hmm. or a specific specimen. But illustration, there's usually a character and a setting and there's lots of things going on. And even if there's not necessarily, like, the talk bubbles or the little descriptions of the setting like there would be in a comic book, you can still see there's, like, a whole world and, like, a whole story being told and things happening. So, yeah, I mean, I I like art like that. And um, I... I guess I like art that's narrative, whether it's an actual comic or whether it's a single big painting or like a really intense drawing. I mean, I, I respect the art, which is more just like a drawing or a painting of a circle on a square. That's that's cool. It's just, it's not necessarily something that speaks to me. I like it when it's much more involved and there's characters and setting and things happening and you can see a lot of things when you look into the piece and then can kind of observe it and watch what's going on inside of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you... Um do you feel like you have a an art style that you've developed, or is it something that's still very fluid and, and changes with? Um,
0: I kind of feel like both. I do feel like I have a very specific style, but especially if you're someone who does draw on a specific style, I feel like that's kind of always evolving. Mm-hmm. That's always a thing where it's just like, oh, is this like cool and interesting, or is this like just your style? But um, <laughs> definitely getting into botanical illustration, I think, has kind of changed how I'm working and that like, that's like very, very like naturalistic and more scientific and exact. And more of the stuff I've done in my own style has been a little bit more, I guess, up to interpretation or not necessarily like exactly how it would be in real life. So yeah, I mean, I do have a specific style, but I do think how I'm working and the types of things I'm working on are growing and evolving. And that's also something that I'm interested in exploring in school Mm -hmm. since I think it's good to be around other people who are focusing stuff, focusing on stuff and working on stuff. And then you can kind of help each other and give each other constructive criticism. I think it's good to be working in a community like that, which is one of the things I really value going back into education as a student and then also being an educator myself and, um, and yeah, so I guess style, I think, is like a thing that you do have your own style on, but you can also constantly be working and evolving to improve upon that and then also maybe expand it and change it depending on what kind of work you want to do and then other subjects you get involved in.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you're someone who lives in LA and doesn't have a car.
0: I am, yes.
1: And but I've I think I've seen you at more shows than I've seen anybody else of any of the 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 eyes I know. Is that so? Do you enjoy doing shows or is it?
0: I do like shows. Yeah. Um. I haven't done as many as I used to the past couple of years, just with like getting my portfolio together for grad school mm-hmm. and then also just kind of running around and teaching a lot. But yeah, I do. I do really like shows. I like being able to meet people. And um, it's fun to be able to do commissions for someone at a show if they're really into a specific thing. I I'm pretty lucky that I either am able to do shows which have if it's like a zine fair, those are a little bit smaller and then it's like fairly easy to pack all of my comics and greeting cards and stuff into a little wheelie bag and then I can get on transit if I have to. But I'm also lucky that other comic collaborators that I'm that I'm friends with and sometimes if we've tabled together, I've been able to carpool with people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you're doing a show that's like really far out in Orange County or just in like an area that's like not near the train. It definitely helps to be able to carpool with people. But yeah, I mean, especially because I've also done some shows in New York. I've I've figured out how to get those kind of floppy wheelie bags most people use as grocery bags. (laughs) I've figured out how to get those to kind of contain everything under the sun and be able to cart them around on buses and on trains and occasionally Uber and then also like get them on top of your on top of your seat in a plane. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, not having a car in LA can be a little annoying, but they keep expanding the train system, which definitely helps. Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky enough the exception of one place I lived, I've always lived like walking distance to a train. And now also that Uber and Lyft are available, it's really easy. If you're not that near a train, you can take like a quick $5 ride or like a not too expensive and like reasonable, reasonably pli- priced essentially taxi ride to get to the connecting thing. Whereas a couple of years ago, it might've taken you like 20 minutes of like waiting for like an unreliable bus. Now that the fact that you can like kind of supplement things with rideshare definitely makes things easier. So I'm very grateful to, rideshare as well as public transit mm-hmm. so yeah i mean if you're gonna live anywhere in la without a car definitely i think it's easier if you're near one of the train lines in the past i was really near the red line and now i'm near the gold line so it, it works out
1: mm-hmm. um what is your process for working when when you're putting together
0: a piece? um it t- kind of depends on what i'm working on um so if i'm gonna work on a comic i try and think of the story and then like actually write out the outline of what the story is and Mm -hmm. then you have to figure out each page and you have to do the layout so you have to do basically what i've done in the past is i've drawn like one sheet will have a drawing of a bunch of let's say like it's an eight page story like eight smaller rectangles on it and then you do tiny boxes within that so that's like the initial thumbnailing process and then once you get a little past that maybe you can work on each separate sheet of paper to do the layout per page and then you also have to figure out the script. I've, I've done some comics where they're mostly silent. It's mostly the characters interacting. But for anything with a with a script, you do have to write down separately, like, hey, this is what the characters are going to say to each other. And then you have to figure out how the talk bubbles or the narration or whatnot is going to fit in accordance with the imagery. So that's how I've worked with uh, with comic stuff. with illustration it depends on something if it depends on if it's something I'm working on for myself or a specific project or for a commission or something freelance. but I always try to make sure that it's going to be showing and then including everything that's supposed to be part of the story like I mean I don't know if this is exactly storytelling but I made my own self-published coloring book based on New York and LA mm-hmm. and so each page was either something focused on New York or something focused on LA or then focused on both mm-hmm. so there was usually like a focal point and then lots of things around it like one of the pages was about cat rescue and it was focused mostly on a place called Meow Parlor which is in the lower east side in New York City and so the main character is a little girl sitting there and she's petting a cat and then she's sitting on a really, really giant cat, but then there's lots of little drawings and images within that picture around the girl and then even hidden in her shirt, like little paw prints and things like that. And then also I made sure to include in that drawing little references to the actual cafe, like part of the frame is these two little cats playing in a thing that looks like a shark. And there's actually like a little hiding place that's shaped like a shark that the cats in the actual cafe can hide in. And so that I made sure that I was referencing the thing that the illustration was about not just cat rescue, but also the specific place that the illustration talked about. So in my process, I made sure like, okay, I need to make sure that these various elements are part of the picture. And then that there is, especially something like a coloring book, you want there to be kind of like a big focal point and then all the little detailed things around it. Mm -hmm. And you also want to make sure you, I I tend to be kind of heavy with ink sometimes, but in coloring book work, you have to make sure you leave at least enough space that the people can actually color the picture. (laughs) And then my process with botanical illustration is basically... um, picking a specimen pick or sometimes more than one specimen that you really like and then figuring out how to compose the picture. And then once you figure out that layout, it's best if you can actually look at the plant while it's still alive so you can get all the true three dimensions of it and all the real light and shadow. Because photographs are great, but especially botanical illustration, it does lose something in the translation. But yeah, so with botanical illustration, I've made sure to work on picking plants that I really, really like. And then if it's a single image plant, just making sure that it's dynamic enough that it can stand on its own and then it being kind of like in the center of the picture compositionally. And then if it's more than one plant, figuring out the composition of how they're going to look next to each other. Sometimes if something's going to be drawn within a frame, maybe it'll pop out of the frame or maybe it'll fit exactly in the frame. You kind of want to play around with that. And um, yeah, botanical illustration is really cool and it has a scientific method. And I'm also hoping to keep, doing more and more of that and learning more of that and how to do it like exactly traditionally, mm-hmm. but I also kind of want to experiment and do a little bit more of the illustration storytelling stuff while incorporating what I've learned with drawing plants and botanical stuff.
1: Mm hmm. Mm. um with your with the storytelling stuff that you do um you've kept it as uh, like these short eight page stories so far is there any or is is there a bigger thing that you've done or um well i I mean that
0: story that i actually started in college i would say um i have a like a really long idea for it i just Mm -hmm. haven't finished it yet so um can I can I can I tell the the joke that the terrible? Yeah, absolutely. That, okay, so <laughs> this is both my favorite terrible joke, and it's also basically like the premise of the first comic that I made, and I actually redrew it a couple of years ago to update it from when I initially drew it back in two thousand five. So there were these two clams, Sam and Bob and I mean this is not exactly how my comic is laid out there's more detail in the comic but this is the joke it's based on so uh Sam and Bob were best friends and they both got hit by lightning and Sam unfortunately she went to hell when she got hit by lightning and turned into a little devil clam and then uh Bob when he was hit by lightning turned into an angel and he was an angel clam and he was up in heaven and he was really sad and people in heaven were asking, why are you so Why are you so upset for? He said, well, you know, I miss my best friend Sam and she's down in hell and I can't see her. And they're like, well, you can go visit her if you can take the, the little transit way down to hell. You can hang out with her until exactly 11.59 p.m. because if you're back up here after midnight, then you'll be stuck down hell forever. He's like, okay. So he grabs his harp. He takes a little shoot down. They run into each other. She says, what are you doing here? And they kind of, rehash some some stuff going on with them, and then they dance and they have fun, but then time flies and you're having fun. He realizes, oh my God, it's 11.50. How am I going to get back up up there in time? So Sam says, don't worry, I know a shortcut, and then he goes through this magical portal and he gets up to heaven right in time, and the people up in heaven are just like, okay, you're here on time, we're not going to kick you out, but hey, you don't have your harp with you. Where's your harp? And then Bob says, I left my harp in Sam's Clam Disco. Like, (laughs) I left my harp in Sam's Clam Disco. So anyway, so that is the basis of the first comic. And then in the second comic, they are actually working his consciences because she's an angel and he's a devil and um, they're actually romantically involved in the story they're best friends and they're together and um, they kind of have a Mr. and Mrs. Smith relationship going on because they're they're both working in the same field but they're kind of working against each other and, and Bob is always convincing people to do the right thing and Sam will kind of fly over and convince someone to do something bad, but then Bob will then go and undo it and then make the person make the moral choice. And so this is like a relationship fight they're having. She's like, I work really hard and you destroy all the work that I do. And so in the, um, in the second comic, which is, I did part of, um, the premise is a bit insane, but it's about, Um, Sam was instructed to make sure that one of her friends does not get a movie role that she's going out for in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And I started this so long ago. I feel like as I'm working on it, like kind of has to change because they keep making new movies in these (laughs) franchises. But anyway, so the perhaps most insane part of this is um, her friend who she's sabotaging and telling Steven Spielberg, who's now randomly in my universe, directing Pirates of the Caribbean movies, uh, her friend who she's sabotaging. So she doesn't get the role. Her friend is an actress whose name is Dia. Uh, Dia is a T-Rex. So she is the quote unquote actress from the Jurassic Park films, because in my universe, dinosaurs are not dead and they're not eating people. They're just like you know, dramatic movie stars, and um, in the second the second installment of the comic, which I did which I did finish, Sam and Bob are on a date, and they're in New York. And New York City used to have this giant Toys R Us, and it had a, ter- a Ferris wheel inside of it, and it also had a giant animatronic T Rex. And so, in the second story, Sam and Bob are on a date, and Sam is really stressed out, and Bob is asking her, "What's wrong? Like, what are you so upset over?" And then um, Sam wants to get out of the Toys R Us because she knows Dia is going to be there because Dia likes to pose. Dia is the dinosaur's name. and I'll explain why in a second. But so Dia the T-Rex is going to come and she's going to pose by this animatronic dinosaur so she can pose with her fans. I guess kind of like if someone to, were to go and pose with the, um, the wax statues in the Hollywood museum, that's like kind of the equivalent. And so anyway, so then Bob doesn't know why Sam is trying to avoid Dia because he doesn't know that she undid work that he did and that she is going to just try to avoid her friend because she's kind of like screwed her friend out of a job. And then Dia gets there and then she hears him like, Sam the clam, are you here? What's going on? And then Sam doesn't say anything. And then Dia's like, what? Are you mad at me? Why don't you want to hang out with me? And then I kind of redrew the scene where the T-Rex knocks around the car, except she's knocking around stuffed toys and crying. And then the clams go flying and they're hiding in the little toys. And then there's a close up where she, instead of going the rare she says when all these people are taking pictures for like wow she hasn't let loose like that since the lost world oh my god d is so great in person and then she's like wow you like me you really like me and then she's posing with her with her fans the two of them run off and then um they run to the Central Park ramble. And then Sam is explaining to, to Bob what happened. And she's really mad at him. And she's like, you know, I work so hard and you wouldn't do all my work. I I don't care that what I do isn't moral. Like I deserve a chance to shine too. I don't care if I screw my friend over. Like I just need to succeed in my career, blah, blah, blah. And then um, Dia's dog, who is a, a little Pomeranian, her assistant comes and overhears what's happening with the two of them. It's like, oh no, I have to warn Dia. Anyway, so Dia's name is Dia because there's a line where uh Sam is just like, Oh, like I I'm so, I feel so terrible. I mean, I do feel guilty about what I'm doing. I know that Dia realizes I was there. And then and Bob says, Oh, well, do you think she saw us? Because like the the T-Rex can't see <laughs> when, when if you if you if you don't move and it's pun on, do you think she saw us? Do you think she saw us? And mm-hmm. then the dog's name is D-Rex, which is short for do you think she saw us, Rex? And anyway, there's these whole a bunch of other things that are supposed to happen in the following in the following comics and it's eventually all supposed to lead up to another thing where everything gets resolved, the characters realize how to work through their conflict, but it will still end with a terrible punny punchline. So that is supposed to be a much longer comic that I have begun and it's just kind of it's kind of this ongoing project that I've been working on for a long time. I just get very very sidetracked, I guess, and work on other stuff and it's something I'm really into, but it's also just kind of hard to juggle everything. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhat more inspired, though, because I just saw the, Jurassic, the newest Jurassic World movie yesterday, and a lot of people don't like it because it's got some, it's got some narrative problems, but I'm also just like, dinosaurs, yes. <laughs> and also the T-Rex has a lot of great scenes, so when I was there, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, Dee is really shining in this. <laughs> she should get an Oscar for her work in this piece.
1: <laughs> She's up to game. Yes. Um, a lot of your stuff has uh, fantastical elements and and um, animals, a- anthropomorphic uh, storytelling that goes on. Yeah. Um, why do you think that, that appeals to you?
0: I don't know. I mean, people ask me that a lot. I mean, I, I kind of love animals a lot. So maybe that's it. I think also growing up being really into children's books and being really into comics, there is kind of a lot of overlap either where it's like a universe where the animals are on, you know, they're in a universe where they're talking and Mm -hmm. they're interacting. And then there's other fantastical stories where animals and people interact with one another. So I don't know. I think I've always just kind of been someone who, I mean, I like the fantastical, but I also like, I just don't even really think of it as fantastical. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as, um, I've thought about doing storytelling like this and I haven't actually done it yet, but so I really like stories about toys. I, um, I love stuffed animals, which people who know me know like very, very well. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, I think I've seen the toy story movies one too many times and, or the Velveteen rabbit is a book I loved when I was a kid mm-hmm. and just the concept that, you know, these little creatures, they're inanimate objects, but that they secretly have feelings and come to life at night and all that stuff. I always just kind of like felt on an emotional level. So, you know, stories where, you know, someone has like a, a stuffed cat and it's like their best friend and kind of like Calvin and Hobbes. Like that to me didn't seem that fantastical. I was like, yeah, I think it's secretly like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that, and then also I just think the connections that people can have with animals, whether it's a pet or something you relate to in nature. I mean, those are, I think those, those aren't always things I consciously think about when I do stuff with animals and people in storytelling, but it's definitely, I think just part of my consciousness. Then it comes into things. Also I make, I make greeting cards that are cartoon greeting cards in addition to comics and illustration stuff. And Animals are really great for puns and I love terrible jokes and puns. Like I have one greeting card I made where it's a girl riding a giant koala. And I also love koalas, which anyone who knows me will, (laughs) I mean, will know about that. Um, But so I made this greeting card where there's a girl riding a giant koala and she's sitting on the back of the koala and she set up like a little tea set with a stuffed koala. And then the card also on the front of it says, you're a friend of the highest quality." And you, I often try and work in the koala tea pun, the regular, day, regular everyday life. Like I'll put the koala emoji and then T-Y or the word koala and that and then dash T-Y. But this one's like a particularly terrible pun because I'm having a tea party in the back of a giant koala. So it's spelled K-O-A-L. Oh, my God. Do I know how to spell koala? This is embarrassing. K-O-A-L-A dash T-E-A. So it's like koala tea you know, as in girl gray. Green. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, animals, I think, are also really fun and they can help with humor and puns, whether they're verbal ones like that or, or mm-hmm. visual
1: ones. So. um What was the editing work that you did? Can, I, you, can you talk about it? Or? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um, hmm. uh, I worked for a uh, manha company, which is a Korean manga. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was basically um, we would get the translations, and then um, they would be originally in Korean or Japanese, and then uh, I, I knew a little Korean because I was learning how to read the sound effects and stuff like that, but I'm obviously not bilingual in it. So I would be given the the rough translation from the Korean into like the very, very basic English. And then I would edit the dialogue mostly. You know, if it was a really medieval story, it would become like more Game of Thronesy, and you'd play around with the dialogue and then the narration and stuff like that. And then if it was a story with kids or teenagers, you'd work to make it sound more slang and more hip. So... um so, yeah, so that was a lot of what I did editing-wise. And then also we would sell the books at Comic-Cons like Anime Expo and San Diego. Mm-hmm. And um, I I learned a lot at that time. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. I mean, I think it's cool to learn how to do like the editorial publishing stuff in addition to the education stuff. Because mm-hmm. I've worked in education a lot, both when I was in college and then when I first moved here doing tutoring stuff and then getting back into it. But I definitely think it was also helpful to be on the like book publishing side for a while too. Cause I I've, I've learned a lot about self publishing and I do some self publishing stuff in addition to some stuff I've had that's been like otherwise published, but working on the end of things as an editor, I think is a really, really helpful process mm-hmm. just cause you know, it's one thing if you're writing something or drawing something and then you need to get it in on a deadline. It's like very different when you're the company working with the deadline and you've got to send it to another designer. It's like a whole thing. And it was definitely really educational and helpful. So I'm, I'm grateful for that.
1: Mm. Um, For self-publishing, is there a format that you like most playing around with or is that something you like to experiment with?
0: I kind of experiment with it. Um, I mean, I want to learn more about, because I know some self-published authors and illustrators, they'll use companies that print it for you for like print on demand or you to get a certain number of copies. And so far, everything I've done has been like entirely on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll work with a couple of different printers that I know, or um, I use color images in Burbank. I've published a couple of zines with them, like they'll print it for me. And then they have a really great paper, which is, it looks like watercolor paper. So that's really good for card making. And then I've also gotten accordion books printed through them, which is basically, it's like a little art book and it's really, really long. And then what ends up happening is you cut it and then several kind of books will like print on a page and then you hand fold it and cut it yourself. Mm-hmm. I've done that for little accordion books I've made. I've, um, I helped my, I've gotten some of my students stuff printed there and then helped them cut and fold their own accordion books. I've made some accordion books based on greeting cards I've made. I just for LA zine fest, uh, made an accordion book that was based on a lot of graphite illustrations I did from my botanical stuff recently. So yeah, I'm, I use different formats. I mean, if I'm publishing like a traditional zine zine, you know, you do the whole thing where you make sure it's numbered and then you never staple the original copy cause you have to keep running it through a, um, through a photocopier machine and then you just staple the, the, the copies in the middle. Um, there's also, if you make a, I've, I've more done this with my students. I haven't really made them myself, but when you make a, a one page comic, which you fold it into eight pieces and then you, and then you cut it in the middle and then it's actually, it's actually like a little booklet, which like each, each page is like a tiny page. If you do this button, an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one format I'm familiar with. And then, um, I mean, when I've had my own my own zines printed or my own comics printed through a printer, it's mostly just I've, I've laid it out and I've emailed them the files and they kind of get into position and then they do the printing of it. So it's been more, I experiment with different formats and I use different ones, but I definitely want to learn more about getting stuff printed and having it have a proper ISBN number and working with a printer who'll do that kind of stuff and, and all that kind of work. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. so,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, Along with graduate school and uh, botan- botanical uh, illustration and teaching and all the other stuff, what what else are you doing at the moment? What is is that taking up all of your time, or I was uh,
0: taking up a lot of my time. I mean, there's some things I'm working on that I want to kind of use the chance I have to go to graduate school to keep working on that. I started working on some pieces for something I was calling, or I am calling local labyrinth, which is kind of drawing different things, which are kind of fantastical, but also kind of realistic based in and around things that I see and experience in LA and then other characters in that. So that's kind of a combination of people and plants or people and animals. And it's, it's based on exploring the city, but also kind of making it a little bit more fantastical. Mm-hmm. I really love the, uh, the movie pans labyrinth and like how she kind of goes into different worlds and, um, back in 2016, uh, LACMA had a Guillermo del Toro show and I'm obsessed with his, I actually got, a, I mean, I love LACMA and I go there fairly often, but I got a LACMA membership specifically to stalk that show. <laughs> I think I went six to 10 times. It was like the greatest thing ever. It was a really cool, cruel cool exhibition, but I really like, you know, making, I don't know, the idea of being able to make different narrative worlds and explorations and things like that. So that's something I need to be working more on and I, um, ho- I'm i hoping that that can be kind of the work that I'm working towards with like narrative art and sequential comics art and then also illustration stuff I can work on in grad school apart from teaching and then my own personal work slash school work and then doing, I hope, more botanical illustration. Um, I also do some performing. I, I studied theater in school and I did a little theater when I first came out here and then kind of stopped for a long time, but Mm -hmm. I am really into storytelling. I, uh, I've gotten back into it. I have performed at a storytelling show twice recently. I did one in Santa Monica back in, I think it was April or May at a place Mm -hmm. called bear burger. It was really fun. And, uh, I won second place for the night. So that was really exciting, <laughs> especially cause it was the first time I performed in a long time. I was like, Oh wow. everyone likes my story. And then I, I did another storytelling show in downtown LA about a month ago. So yeah. So I, I do some storytelling performing.
1: Hmm. And that's I, like a one man thing. It's kind of on. like
0: stand up, but it's less about making people laugh. And it's more just, you know, you just, they'll, there'll be a group of people and each person will get up and they'll talk about something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've done some stand-up, which I like and is fun, but I kind of feel like the storytelling format works for me. It just works for me a little bit better. I mean, there are some people who are stand-up comedians who are storytelling comedians, but I feel like storytelling shows are just kind of the freedom to just organically talk about this thing that happened, whatever the story may be. And a lot of times the stories do have funny parts and do get a lot of laughs, but it's not, it doesn't have to be curated the way stand-up is, where it's mm. like beat per beat. And even if it's like a good, subtle, funny moment, if it doesn't get any laughs, it's the end of the world. So I like storytelling <laughs> a little bit better. So yeah, so I've gotten back into that and I hope to keep doing more of that.
1: Mm. When did you do stand-up?
0: Um, I took it in college my last year and um, I took it again in 2012 uh, my teacher Jude Shelton, she was awesome, and so I did the the final show for the um, the, sh- the classes she taught in 2012. We had like a class recital, I guess. I felt like I'm like five years old. We had a recital, um, <laughs> and then uh, and then we did an open mic thing when I took the level two of her class, and that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I just I just kind of got busy and life was all over the place, and so I um uh, I got back into storytelling just because I go to storytelling shows and I think they're really cool, and I a lot of a lot of interesting things happen to me in life. So I feel like I have a lot of storytelling material. Sometimes it's the point where things keep happening, and I'm just like, this is just God trolling me to write more, right? <laughs> to like get back on the horse. Like this this shouldn't be happening otherwise. Mm. Um but yeah, so me and my roommates in I wanna say it was February or March, we went to a storytelling show at Bear Burger and they had a thing where you could put your name in the hat and to and if if they drew, if they drew you out of the hat, you'd get to just go up on on the fly that night. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't get didn't get picked, but I I mentioned to the uh, man running the show, Chris, who's really awesome. I was just like, oh, I wish I'd gotten picked. He's like, oh, I'll book you for next month if you want to do it. And I was just like, oh, okay. So then so then I did it, and it was really fun, and they're really cool and welcoming space, and they're a. Uh, they have a stage space and they're also an organic burger slash sandwich place. And their food is really good. They're mm. in Santa Monica and they're called bear burger. And cause I love puns. They have lots of bears all over. <laughs> like it's, it's spelled bear meaning like, you know, like the bear essentials B A R E, but also bear burger. They've got little, cartoon drawing of a bear in their uh logo and there's bears all over like stuffed animals all over mm. the restaurant so it's pretty cool mm. it's a co- a berry quality place <laughs> <laughs> i have no shame at all <laughs> um but yeah so so i performed over there and then um chris curated another storytelling show um at this place called the lexington in downtown la and he asked me if i wanted to do it and so then i did that one so mm. so yeah so far i've told the same story each of them and um I'm not sure which story I'll tell the next time I, I do it. Mm. I'll, I'll have to figure that out. What's but, yeah. the format?
1: How long do you, do you um, talk for?
0: Uh, usually the ones I've done, it's like seven to ten minutes mm-hmm. or like seven to nine minutes. I think my story clocks in at like eight and a half. So it's pretty much exactly right. But yeah, so it's um, usually it's a bunch of people getting up on stage. And the, the I would say it's around. 10 minute mark Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like a stand-up show with several people and you know each person gets up and they they tell their story and then they kind of finish and they get off stage and then the next person comes on and and all that jazz
1: and is that something that you is is that something that you feel like you could combine with you you could use some of the storytelling that you use in that world in comics as well or is it
0: probably yeah i mean the honestly the the um i don't want to give it away in case i give do the story again but (laughs) (laughs) i did a um on Instagram a couple of years ago. Um, so but there's always these challenges on Instagram like, oh, post these things and you'll win things. So I, I do yoga through a studio and I also do dance at a studio in Atwater Village. Mm-hmm. And my dance studio ran a, um, a fitness challenge for uh, 28 days in 2016. And if you posted the most healthy action items, you would you would potentially win a free month of dance. And so I kind of went ham but it was to the point where me and was other girl were like the only two people posting. And we were both kind of losing our minds and watching each other. And um, <laughs> I won't give it away in case I do the storytelling show again, but um, I may have had to uh, elaborate a little on the things I was doing. Cause I was photographing everything. You know, I, you know, I may or may not have borrowed a coworker's yogurt and photographed it and been hashtag fitness challenge. I love my yogurt. And then like photograph things, which may or may not have happened in addition to all the actual fitness challenge stuff I was doing. But anyway, talking about all this craziness and I ended up getting all these, these, these fitness challenge followers and it just kind of like became this behemoth that I didn't realize it was and I was kind of losing my mind in the midst of this like I'm in a tournament fitness challenge 28 days <laughs> and um, so anyway so it makes a funny storytelling show but I also think that that could work as a comic especially because I started to drive some of my friends nuts Two of my really close friends one in LA and one in New York they became Facebook friends because they were both like mutually traumatized because they were so tired my friend in New York was so tired of hearing me talk about the fitness challenge and my, my friend in New York was oh, no, sorry my friend in LA was super tired of having to take the photos for the fitness challenge <laughs> particularly cause some of them were, I mean, like I'd run up and down a set of stairs and it would be like, I did this for a mile, but I just did it for the photo shoot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So I feel like that would make a good comic. And then I don't know some things, depending on what things I end up doing in visual storytelling, it would be cool if that could also turn into like a theatrical thing too. I, I love cross disciplinary stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff I'm inspired by are, I don't know, like folk tales and fables and fairy mm-hmm. tales and things like that. Um, I have a friend, Amir Levy. He's an amazing actor and performer in person. And he was just in this critically acclaimed show in Burbank. And it's called Wood Boy Dogfish. And it's like a modern, really, really heartbreaking and also kind of disturbing retelling of the Pinocchio folktale Mm -hmm. fable. And I could totally see like the way that was staged and like how visual and amazing it was. It used puppetry and it used actors and it used like all these really cool visual effects. Something like that I think would also be really, really cool in a comic book. So... I guess the long winded answer to your question is, yeah, I'd be interested if there's any way to combine performing stuff and visual stuff and writing stuff. That would all be really, really cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, thank you. Donna. Where, where can people find you and your work? Where would you like to?
0: Um, so I post on Instagram updates to stuff and um, it's Instagram.com slash draw D V L. My middle name is Victoria And I have a long Italian last name. It's letter E C if you're saying it without the accent. It's letter if you are saying it with the accent. But anyway, so that's why pretty much all of my stuff is draw D V L just because it's easier than trying to say my last name. And um, also when I was a kid and I had those LL Bean backpacks, I always got DVLs, little initials on them. And it was kind of fun. So it's a throwback to that. But yeah, so um, I post some life updates and then also art updates and stuff I haven't had the chance yet to put on my site at Instagram.com slash D V L. and also my website is www.drawdvl.com. and um on Facebook you can find me under my name or uh, I think it's slash draw DVL or slash draw DVL Productions for my like page. I think it's just draw DVL, even though the page name is draw DVL Don Literacy Productions. And um, I'm on Twitter at twitter.com/slash draw DVL. And um, I will warn everyone in advance: I make a lot of puns and I make a lot of references to koalas. <laughs> Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I actually, uh, I'm wearing now at this podcast. I have a, have a t-shirt that says my puns are, and it's like two little cartoon koalas like sitting in a teacup. And, uh, one of my <laughs> students, I have, um, I have a student and she's one of my continuing students. She's great. So she, um, she loves puns, but I think she's also kind of sick of them. And so she drew, I put on my Instagram a week or so ago, she drew a cartoon version of herself as a fox screaming. And then me as a cartoon koala with this evil smile on my face, wearing a t-shirt that says my puns are koality. And the, and the little fox is going, ah! because she can't take the bad jokes anymore. So yeah, if you follow me online, there will probably be koality things. As well as, I hope, quality things. Yeah. <laughs> but Thank yeah, you. So. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun to talk about stuff.
1: That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am.